Well, everyone, we're here with another episode of Create Tech, still in the early phases with brave souls who are willing to come on the show as we get into the conversations around the collision, the connection, the intersection of creativity and technology. And today I have Julia McCoy, who's here with Content at Scale. Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Russ. It's great <laughs> to be here. Now, I know you, I know your company, uh, we're doing cool stuff, but I would love for the audience to get a quick bio, quick brief on what it is. And as soon as you start sharing your background and the company details, they're going to understand immediately why I wanted to have you on the show. But uh, yeah, like like what what got you to Content at Scale? What is Content at Scale? Give us the quick brief on that. Yes, yes. Well, it's a long journey that I shall not shall. <laughs> So in 2011, I started out as a freelance content writer, had no idea the field was going to be what it is. You know, it's exploding year after year, got in a great time. I was able to build a writing agency, did that my first year of freelancing, went from being solo to building a company. And in the next 10 years, grew it to around 100 people. And we did 40,000 projects, built our own e-commerce platform. So pretty cool stuff. I sold it in 2021 when I saw GPT on the horizon. I knew. <laughs> It's coming. <laughs> and I really like to be in the cutting edge of things. You know, I wrote books when I didn't find solutions for the people I hired. I built courses when I didn't find courses for the mm -hmm. people I hired. So here's GPT on the horizon. And I'm like, I want to be in the mix of that. So sold the agency in 2021. 2022 was consulting. And, you know, that year I was kind of known as the anti-AI writer. Because even when ChatGPT came out, I didn't love it for long form. <laughs> I thought it was garbage. <laughs> and I said so. <laughs> and then in January, when I was researching, January of 2023, I was spending just a whole week researching nothing but AI. I'm like, I yeah. have to really learn about this because I know it's going to change the future. And that's when I found Continent Scale. And I was like, this is the technology that I think will replace what I do as a writer in terms of long-form content writing. They've actually right. figured it out. It's an NLP stack that writes incredible long-form content. And so I pitched the founder on a marketing plan that weekend, <laughs> joined the company the next Monday, and now I have the honor to be the president of the company three months later after joining. So it's currently the fastest-growing writer in SEO. I love it. That's growing AI writer. Yes. So content scale is taking off. I'm so glad I'm part of it. You know, it's really exciting to be here. I love how you went from anti AI to president of an AI company <laughs> in less than a year's time like that. But let's talk about that for a second, because look, uh, we're in visual content creation. You're in written content creation. And I think there is a great divide forming around this topic of tools that are used to create. So can you take us to the moment? Was there any single moment when you were like, hey, I'm not going to fight this. I'm going to leverage this. And, and what was that moment? If it was one or maybe it was gradual, but I'm sure there was some shift that had to have happened Oh, great question. Well, Russ, you're spot on because there was a moment, okay? And I wrote about it in my latest book. It was a Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> what were you, what did you have for lunch that day? Where were you sitting? Like, let's get into the specifics. <laughs> no, true story. My book that launched is February. There's a chapter on this moment. 
because it's, it's that critical. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a believer in what works. Like I've seen um, things that don't work and I see what happens when you use things that don't work. Clients leave. So, you know, I live in this real world. You're right. It works and I can use it or it doesn't and I cannot. And that was simply what was happening with ChatGPT, even Jasper, as much as I love it for short form. Um, you know, the long form content to add that to my process to integrate AI, my writer and I, we both, we weren't saving time. And so on a Friday, when I discovered constant scale, I'm like, okay, I think this is really something. In one dashboard, we have our SEO analysis. We have all the content. It's written in less than 10 minutes. It's 3000 words. It's original. It's undetectable. And it goes on. Um, so I gave the tools to my writer after I used it and asked her to do the work she would usually do, but augment it with AI. So mm. write the blog, but use content at scale instead mm. and tell me what happens. And I waited all day because this writer, she's my writer of eight years behind some of our most successful campaigns. You know, if she doesn't like it, it's in the garbage. We don't pick it up. So that night it's like 5 p.m. I'm like watching my email. <laughs> And she emails me and she's like, Tulia, we're going to save eight hours plus per block. Wow. That was the moment I adapted. How can you not? You would be right. stupid. Right. Well, and you know, you hit on a vein, you know, I think, I think our philosophy at Design Pickle and with this podcast is that people are always going to be required. Right. And, and if you look at the digitization of creation over the years, people have never been removed from the equation. Like they've always, the tools have gotten better. Photoshop has gotten cooler, whatever other tools, you know, Canva came around and made it super accessible for design. But guess what? Canva, you know, you still have to click, you still have to drag, you still have to do the things that are required. And I think a lot of people forget this, especially the creative community. People are kind of up in arms, but it's like, whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes. You yeah. still need, you, there's still, there's still a, a job, a role to do it. And like, why wouldn't you want to make that as productive and efficient as possible? Yes. Yes. And since joining Constant Scale, that's been one of my focuses is what are these changing roles? Mm -hmm. Because I see like the writer doesn't necessarily need to be the content writer anymore. So mm -hmm. what's their role? Because mm -hmm. it doesn't mean their role's gone. It means their role's changing. Right just like you said, right. But something we're focusing on is, you know, we came up with a term for it, of course, um, AIO. So artificial intelligence optimization. And so in that uh -huh. process, you're on. I love it. <laughs> AIO. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. So the roles are changing for sure. Now, when you think about writing specifically and just the, some of the I would say the current critiques of AI writing tools, there's a lot of, there's a lot of judgment against them in terms of accuracy, in terms of what they call hallucinations and creating content that doesn't, you know, necessarily fact check. So, so I know, I know you guys have a process inside of this, but like for those that are getting started in, in, in the augmented creation space, like, what are some of the, I would say, recommendations or pitfalls to not not make sure you get yourself in a situation where um, you're 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 writing and you're creating, but obviously these tools aren't perfect yet. 
Yes, that's a great question. And recently I was talking to just this morning, actually, a group of SEO pros who, you know, 90% of them weren't adapting to AI because they're like a rice garbage. <laughs> and that's a good point. There's a lot of factual inaccuracy because what is AI in essence? You know, these LLMs that are writing this content, they're just predicting the next word string. Right. They're not necessarily doing the research, coming up with the best facts, pity, uh, putting together the best opinion. So what you want to do when you're using these tools is to really make sure that you satisfy user intent and add your own experience. Yeah. So, you know, if we're using AI to write content and it's generating a 3000 word blog, we'll go back in that. And we'll add images, we'll add in customer testimonials, we'll add in a personal anecdote, a story. Um, but all that to say as well, you know, it's crazy how good AI gets like by the day at mm -hmm. this point. Mm -hmm. Like five minutes before we jumped on this podcast, I was running a post in Content at Scale. And I'll tell you, when I started at Content at Scale in January, I was editing about two hours when I got the output. I still had to spend two hours. And this post I just did based on a single keyword and two reference links is so good. I'll probably need to edit it for only five minutes. Wow. And it's been trained on me and my style for a while. So that helps. Right. But like, we got to remember also that we're there, but AI is going to get better by the day. It's crazy. Right. So do you think that there's going to be a point of saturation where everyone's using these tools and what then becomes the best content at that point? What gives you the advantage if everyone is sort of working with the, you know, I, best case scenario for content at scale, everyone uses it, right? You have 100% market saturation, but then how do you rate against the others? Like, how do you have the, uh, the best piece of content if everyone's sort of sourcing and providing, you know, the drawing from the same well of content and um, language models? Yes, I've been studying that question. And, you know, in December of 2022, Google added this extra letter in their acronym for page quality. And it was E in the E. So now it's a double E. Two E's, very confusing. I don't know why Google did it. But the extra E means experience. And whenever Google defines it, they say that would you trust someone who left a review for a restaurant they never ate at? Would you trust someone who wrote about skydiving who never skydived? And what I think, you know, Google is trying to get ahead of is the onslaught of AI written content mm -hmm. that it doesn't have any personal experience and doesn't have any real like truth. Because when you take out that personal experience, well, then it's really just what the robot thinks and people don't care about that. Right. They want to know like how that pizza tasted. The robot's not going to tell you. So in the end, like this extra E that Google put into their page quality rater guidelines, it's also kind of a standard, I think, for how content's going to rank, but not just that, how we can safeguard ourselves against that's a ton of mediocre content. It all sounds like robotics. Uh, it sounds robotic. It sounds like no one weighed in and added value. None of that's going to serve us to the top. It's not going to rank. It's not going to get clicks, conversions. So that extra ex experience, the extra E, you know, adding that in, I think is like such a great way to safeguard. And that right. can be so many different ways, like original research that you do. This podcast you're launching, Russ, you're getting <laughs> personal experience together. Right. Yeah, like showcasing that in your content. Well, it's no different than if you're using one of these tools as a seasoned career content writer, editor, 
creator versus if I handed it to my, you know, 17 year old daughter who could, could put in the same keyword, could put in the same type of, 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 of starting points to, 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 to queue up the content, but the output there's, there's, she has no depth to draw on to be able to bring that to life and to be able to make that really work versus someone with the experience that can, can shape and inform it. Yes. Well, sorry. Yeah. At Design Pickle, we call this the extra mile. So we think about, you know, design creation tools as always allowing us to get further and further down the road, you know, and, and allow, and, and the more automation, the more intelligent tools that exist, they'll do more work, but then there's always going to be that gap. And that gap could be as simply as like formatting it correctly for the right, you know, image ad size, right. Or it could be the personalization that you say uh, that you mentioned where it's like, I, I love in uh, some of the content I was doing in the research, you had, you know, your personal story, your personal impact around it, that then provides that extra, that extra mile, which actually makes it unique and valuable inside of that. Yes. So let's love talk, let's mile. talk about content at scale as a tool. Give me the two minute or however many minute um, pitch, because you guys are like leading the way in content creation that actually, so let me, let me rant for one second for, for everyone out there who's listening, like creating with these generative, generative tools in general is really easy and it's really fun, but I kind of view it as a party trick, right? Like no one goes into Dolly to, and create, you know, they create a unicorn Randy to surfboard and they laugh and they share it with their friends, but like, that's not useful in your business. And, and, and I think copy actually is a bit more useful out of the box, but at the end of the day, it's still not like there's still a lot to be left to be done to make that useful for your business. So content to scale, you guys are killing it. I won't take your thunder, but share, share the way you view it and what you guys are creating and building because it is freaking powerful and it's pretty amazing. The, the, the layers inside of this company. Yes, exactly. It is too. I mean, that's why I'm here. Yeah. So <laughs> you are you are Paul from the Bible. You are the Advent uh, 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 evangelical going out there preaching the good word. So <laughs> I know someone asked me this morning, Jill, you sure you don't have equity? <laughs> You're really in this. Yeah. I just believe in it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's a great. Um, Great question. You know, I think uh, what it comes down to, content at scale really has two um, features, not just features, but like I would say value points that put it so much further than all of these really just GPT calls that are, right. you know, being cloaked and then sold as a tool. Um, that's not us. So, first of all, it's the story of the founder, you know, Justin McGill. Mm-hmm. So, he was a SEO marketer for over 20 years and he really needed a way to create content that you know, wasn't painful. I think just like the rest of us, <laughs> especially when it comes to SEO, it's that long form content so hard to produce. You have mm-hmm. to find a writer, train that writer, do all the research, edit it yourself. If it's still not up to par, you're often missing deadlines. So he was like, if we could solve this with an all-in-one writer, AI writer, then huh, my job get, gets easier. And then this is so much easier to share with SEOs. So he solved a need that he had first, which is like such a great founding story, I think, to come from. (laughs) You know, I love that. (laughs) That's how to do it. 
and spent a year trying to build this thing. And what it is, it's three different NLPs that writes this output that's so high quality. Like, I can't stress that enough. That was like the linchpin for me. The actual quality of the writing is like, I say better than 90% of the writers in the past I've trained or hired. And that kind of blows my mind. I don't love saying that publicly because I'm a, I'm a snobby writer. <laughs> is it <laughs> is it better than you sometimes? Can we be off record? <laughs> no, no. You got to oh, humility or not. <laughs> I would say yes. Yeah. Is. And you can train it now on my voice. That's a feature of the app. You can actually select my voice. So. Wow. Wow. Now we're going to have millions of blog posts written by Julia from companies all around the world. <laughs> but continue. So three three NLPs, which, you know, lang- natural language processors, natural language, and, you know, NLPs is another one. Um, but but uh, so the, there's there's the tool, the generation tool. What else? Yeah. So it also has a semantic analysis crawler that's built in. And this is a proprietary SEO crawler that looks at Google parses the top information and puts that into this content that it's writing with AI. And that's powerful. (laughs) That used to be, you know, 30 minutes of research alone in my SEO writing process. So I don't have to do it all. And then when it writes the content, it formats it. So you Mm -hmm. get your headers, you get the structure, you get the structure is not just done, but it's done well. The headers are not these little two word brief statements. They're full on like six to eight word subheadings that have detail. You have your meta description, the SEO score. So it's all there. And really what they're going for is a, an SEO writing, a content marketing platform in the long run. You know, mm-hmm. so there's going to be more features that I can't share too much about that are coming. Yeah, my product team gets really upset at me when I start talking about things that are not quite ready yet. Um, so true. go back to that second feature, that second feature, because not everyone listening to this are, are SEO experts. Why is that second feature so important in the writing process to be able to, to make valuable content? Yeah. So when you're creating content for your website, what you're really doing is trying to compete with what's out there for that topic. Mm-hmm. And your best standard is the top three in Google for your keyword. Mm-hmm. Like that is the gold standard. If you can't beat it, like don't bother doing it. Mm-hmm. And if you're not looking at those results, then, you know, that's that's a critical part of the SEO writing process that you would be missing out on. Mm-hmm. So what this tool does is it goes and looks at those top three results and then parses that down and puts that into the content that it writes with AI. So the keywords are in there. It's taking inspiration from these top pieces. It's not just, you know, guessing the next word string. It's actually true to what you need to rank in Google and actually compete against that. Right. So if your game is to be, you know, found on Google, it's from what I'm understanding, it basically says, look, we're going to create some content, but we're not just going to randomly create what we think is good. We're actually going to go look at actual content that's working and ranking and then carry over what we can learn from that content into our own original piece here to to directly compete from what is known is that about right yes you said it better than i did russ <laughs> it's all right that's all right. i mean i don't even really I, I like to like i have a vision one day of becoming an author and i just I live in a cabin and i write all day i don't think that'll ever come true but to me this tool sounds <laughs> fantastic to be able to 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 shortcut that um now something you something you mentioned you just dropped this word but i want to unpack it a little 
Um, you said you said undetectable. What does that mean inside of this world, inside of this process? Yes. So that is something um, that's it's a term AI detector, undetectable content. And what that means is, is your content detectable as if AI wrote it or is it human like? Mm-hmm. And so undetectable is the phrase whenever AI writes content so good that it's undetectable by any AI content radar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, originality.ai is one of the big ones. We have one at Continent Scale, and it's OpenAI launched, um, I think it was in January. You know, the the checker that basically says, okay, this is ChatGPT content. So it's funny, right? The same company launching ChatGPT then launched their open source right. solution. So you know, okay, is this written by ChatGPT or not? Right. So that technology has been used, you know, in a lot of academia Mm-hmm. Um, circles to find out was this written by ChatGPT or a human what are the ethics on that though i mean if you're using generative tools do you feel creators have a responsibility to acknowledge that like where's the line there because i think that's a big one right now yes yeah i think what we're saying you know for one there's a lot of false positives and people getting in unnecessary trouble because of very opinionated shall we say bigoted people that are like don't ever use ai it's terrible and then they use these uh, ai detectors without any knowledge of how this works and then they're like okay you wrote ai content you're fired or you're in trouble with the school board or and they actually have no knowledge of how this really works Mm -hmm. and how a detector works is it's just predicting the word string potential of being robotic like mm-hmm. and you know that's why the declaration of independence <laughs> it gets a terrible score because it was written with a lot of stop words and that sounds robotic right that doesn't mean a robot wrote it no it doesn't so in the end i think that once we all understand that college boards entities i think that will matter a lot less mm-hmm. than it used to but you didn't answer my question should creators cite (laughs) the assist is that i mean there's no right or wrong answer and you can give me your opinion as julia not as a represent representative of a content creation company but like what do you think on that is that is that necessary i i i have some thoughts but i'm not going to skew your answer on that okay well i gotta hear yours but you know (laughs) i i would say like it almost doesn't matter because in the end, like if you're making that content your own and you use, let's say, ChatGPT to help you come up with the headline or content scale to write the outline, the majority of the content, but then you still made it yours and it's under your byline and it's for your business and it's associated with your name. I wouldn't change that to say written by a robot. Right. It just doesn't make sense. Right. And I don't think you could technically get in trouble for it. The only question is then the copyright. So who owns the actual copyright? And that's pretty gray right now. Mm-hmm. There is a clear clause out by the U.S. Copyright Office that says the owner of the AI tool actually owns the copyright, not you. Mm-hmm. So that's something I would always keep in mind. Like if I was writing a book, is the um, technology I'm using, is it going to pass the copyright down to me? Mm-hmm. And if not, better do some human writing. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my thoughts... Cause I definitely have them. Uh, it is like, 
creatives have always used inspiration and source material and writing and research yes. and stuff. And so I think it really does come down to what are you attributing as yours? What are you attributing? You know, what have you used from someone else? Um, and I hope that the tools are creating in a true original sense. I know that's not always the case and there's going to be, you know, we're such early stages, right? Like, so there's so much improvement yeah. to come. But, um, you know, if a painter is painting from a model, like he doesn't, you know, it's, it's, this, it's his or hers work, but it's not like there is the attribution to the, the, the core source of whatever they're doing. And I think, I think writing is kind of in that space. And I think the key is like, what I'm hearing is still make it your own. Like that's the wind in, inside of all of this. Like if you are just literally publishing what the tools create then that's probably not the best long-term strategy, no matter how this whole industry shapes up. Yes, exactly. Now, what's, yeah. how's the copyright work with content at scale? If I'm using your tool, can I, can I use it for a book? Can I, use, can I, can I, can I create some content? Like what's the rules there? Yes. Great question. So that is one of the reasons, <laughs> another reason that I came on board because I was like, okay, this one's different. So the copyright actually passes down to the end user. Mm -hmm. And the reason they can do that is it's a proprietary stack. It's not just, you know, a GBT API call mm -hmm. where you can say you pass the copyright down, but you don't even own it yourself. Mm -hmm. So yes, this one, the copyright does pass down to you. That's something that's embedded in the terms. That's fantastic. Now you've mentioned it and I understand what you're saying, but for everyone who's new to this space, Julia highlighted something that you really got to watch out for when you're choosing your generative tools. Is this a tool that is original, meaning maybe they've used some technology, but they're layering on and training it on their own models and adding more value? Or is this a fancy reskin of the exact same thing you could go to if you go to the public companies or not public, but you know, the publicly available companies like chat GPT um, you mentioned Jasper or whatever, like this is a, this is the key to, to really decide what tools you're going to use because there's so much fluff right now where people are like, I'm an AI tool. Hey. And yeah, and it is just like literally an API connection to chat GPT and maybe some filtering of the queries and it helps you generate a prompt better but that's it. Right. And it's like, those are, those are the, 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 the kind of the, the bust boom people, whenever a tech cycle comes out, they're trying to make a quick buck. Um, any, any other tips as, as, as the audience are thinking about their tool stack, like what do you look for when you're deciding to pick a tool? Uh, copyright's a big one. We just tackled that one. What else would be some green flags for you or green lights for you to, to, as you're adding these tools to your marketing tool stack? Yes. Yeah. I would say use case. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're using ChatGPT for long form, is you're just going to waste so much time. Mm -hmm. Use content scale. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, clearly not a plug here, everyone, but content scale is the best. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, Jasper's great for short form. Um, you know, I've tried. <laughs> it's funny. We're going to go there again. I've tried the one shot blog that they have and it's like, you know, as somebody that did SEO content for years, I'm like, this just wouldn't rank 
So yeah. again, like maybe don't use that one for long form. <laughs> it's a great short form tool. And then, you know, for presentations, um, Dactopus, beautiful.ai, like there's very specific AI tools out there that you can literally just click a button and you're getting something that's going to save you hours of time. Yeah. But again, it's all about that use case. Like, right. is this something that's too generalized? Well, then is it an API call to chat GPT? Yeah. <laughs> so it might not be worth the money. Well, you know, you hit, you hit right on it. I mean, I think one of the biggest takeaways uh, our listeners can have is like, is this actually making your life easier? Is it, is it allowing you to do more? Is it increasing the quality of what you do? Is it both? And a lot of people forget that this is the name of the game. You know, it, it, it isn't about this scarcity mindset of I am the best illustrator. I am the best writer. I am the best presentation designer. No one's going to take my job. Well, guess what? The same people that were saying that, you know, 30 years ago when things were getting digitized and you no longer had, you know, letterpress printing mechanisms, they're, they're, they're no longer in the business, but everyone who, who digitized got onto the old, you know, I, I forget some of the old design tools, but you know, Adobe was still, was early on, obviously their career continued. And I think creators like that's the big thing I keep beating the drum on is like, these tools are going to suck. There's going to be some weird ones. There's going to be some things that don't work exactly. And then there's going to be some amazing ones. And like, why fight? Why fight upstream, swim upstream if you have these tools that allow you to just go and you be more of you as an expert rather than as a researcher or as a, you know, someone trying to like find the perfect stock image and taking hours and hours and hours and hours where you can just create it now. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Excellently said. It's like, why waste hours of time? And I was that snobby writer, you know, <laughs> where I was like, oh, this isn't better than me. And you heard me on recording. Yeah. So everyone, if Julia can be converted, you can be converted is really what she's saying. She was an elitist snobby writer. And now is the president of an AI regenerative creation company. Um, all right, Julia, final, final, easy, fun question. So we've talked about your tool. We've talked, you just name dropped a few others. We'll definitely link in the show notes. Um, and you know, disclaimer, everyone try, try it, right? Like it may not be perfect for you. Um, but there's always going to be something, you know, out there emerging. What are some of the other creative technology tools? And this can be super simple. We're not talking AI. You can think of anything. But what are like some of the tools out there in creation that you could not live without? Like your must have tool. Think outside, uh, aside from content at scale. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can't name that one. Yeah. Even yeah. We're, we're real clear on that one. We're real clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. So I would say like for the visual stuff I do um team stuff like if it's a deck or something you know definitely can't live without canva yeah. and the other thing i'm loving though lately is mid-journey yeah like i am having so much fun with this thing and just like you were saying earlier like it's not gonna be you know how i build a hundred million dollar marketing campaign necessarily but it is gonna be how i for example <laughs> on star wars day um i took our 
executive team and I turned them all into characters in Star Wars. Yeah. And it was great because like our COO got these giant Yoda ears and got made fun of. And I mean, it like made everyone's day. And then I put it into our webinar where we had, I think, a, a thousand people by the end of that day. It was a live stream. And we got such great feedback on that webinar. They were like, you really humanized the team. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm putting Yoda ears on this. <laughs> okay. We'll do that again, I guess. <laughs> but that has been so much fun. Yeah. Well, now my turn for a shameless plug. Canva's great. We love Canva. We support Canva. But, you know, Julie, if you ever want to not be a designer, Design Pickle can take on those requests, deliver you, deliver you the Canva templates, and you can just go go off on your day. So That's amazing. So, no, I've used Design Pickle. You know, in the past, like working at Content Hacker, love what you feel. I'm a big, big fan. <laughs> and I know, like, we want to talk to you, Russ, about collaborating and totally. doing cool stuff together because we, yeah, Absolutely. we believe in your mission. Absolutely. Um, any other tools, non-generative, I mean, like project management, anything that comes to mind that you want to give a, a final shout out for? Yeah, I know I use, I use a select few. I'm not one to like, here's a 50 million tool list. I have like my trusted tried and true. <laughs> so let's see. Um, you know, ConvertKit's one of our favorite for email marketing. It's just simple, clean. Love those guys. I yeah. I met them in Boise. Yeah. yeah they're a great company. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. Um, and I mean, like, for example, if I'm if I'm writing, it's either Word doc or Continent Scale. I'm like, that's it. There you go. There you go. You you have your lanes, you stick in it, and every now and again you jump in a new one like this year. Yes. Awesome. Yes, and I know when to delegate, you know, just like you were design pickle. I think that's what you do well. There's yeah. a lot of people that are not designers and yeah, they need you guys. Well, and look, it's like at the end of the day, what is important is people being able to show up and do their best work. And every now and again, we see industry shifts where I was the best researcher and now I can just type in a query and get incredible results. So the question is, what then do you evolve? How then do you take that experience and move into a more, more, more appropriate role. And we're asking this question a lot. Like, what's the future of a designer? What's the future of a writer? We don't have the answer. Is it a prompt engineer? Is it that you know how the models work and the, and the inputs the best? Because practically speaking, that's no different than knowing the tools in Adobe Illustrator and knowing how each one of these things, you, it still requires creativity to take those tools and put them to work. So I believe creatives have an infinite runway for being relevant and being just superhuman inside the space with what's happening. So I'm super, super bullish, super excited to see what happens. Yes, same here. I mean, that is why I'm in it, right? I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and watch this. Yeah. <laughs> it's too exciting. Yeah. And when you can like 10x your output or let's say even better, like cut your day in half and you're like, it's July in Texas pretty soon. <laughs> You know, I'm going to be at the swimming pool with my content done early. Yeah. So if I can do that, like, why not? <laughs> and then you come to work more creative right. with these tools that, you know, and that's what AI is doing. It is augmenting output and helping us do, I think, our better work, our best work even better. Yeah. So it's definitely time to adapt. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and also, we never 
when we're creating, this is kind of one of my final points here is like, we don't actually know what's right, right? Like the markets decide, the audience decides, your customers decide. And so conceptually, why not use a workflow, use tools that allow you to ship more, ship faster, iterate, test, get more things out there to find out based on data what it is that actually resonates. And I think sometimes we forget that like we we're, we're all just guessing, right? Like we're just kind of, we're guessing and maybe we have experience and maybe we kind of guess better, but like at the end of the day, your market's going to tell you what they like and what they don't. So do I want to do one blog post a week or do I want to do 10 blog posts a day? Like, and, and, and what's more likely to find the right answer. And I think our audience, I think listeners know where, where I'd land on that one. Yes. Love it. Um, Well, you know, with the scaling piece in our brand name, it's like a definite quantity. Yeah, totally believe it. Totally believe it. (laughs) Julia, I want to keep uh, respect of your time. I so appreciate you being here. Where should our audience go to learn more about you, content at scale, both? What's the best destination for them? Yeah. So if you go to contentatscale.ai forward slash blog, you'll see a button. I think it's like get free weekly insights. And I write this weekly newsletter called Casual, where you'll probably be in this one, Russ, because awesome. this was such a good conversation. Love it. Where it's just like insights on the latest that I'm seeing in AI, like people that are making a difference or, you know, crazy stories. The last casual was, oh my gosh, it was somebody wrote back. This was frightening. <laughs> yes, it was a frightening story. This woman had a copywriting agency and um, just kind of sat by as ChatGPT came out last year. And as of this summer, like her business is, she has no clients. They've all left mm. and she didn't adapt, didn't use AI. You know, so there's some pretty raw stories that I tell just based on what I see in terms of how can we adapt in a way that's healthy for us, our business, where we don't miss out. Like that is my goal. Love it. So that newsletter will get you kind of in Julia's brain a little bit. <laughs> with what I'm seeing with all of that. Love and then just connecting online. I write books. I have eight books out. I write one a year. So you can find me on Amazon too. Just one a year? Why not five with AI tools? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to make these books. I'm very picky with my books. <laughs> They're heavily humanly edited. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, Julia, it is absolutely my pleasure to have you here. I will definitely be following up to connect more on what we can create as humans together. Um, thank you again for having us. And for everyone listening, uh, links, connections to Julia and her company, uh, content at scale will all be in the show notes. And hopefully by the time you hear this, you'll know where we stand. Keep on creating everyone. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Create Tech. To stay up to date on all our future episodes, access show notes, as well as see our past great interviews, head over to our site, designpickle.com slash create tech. That's slash C-R-E-A-T-E-C-H. We'll see you next time. Take care.